Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. All right, we're on the show. Thanks for joining me. My name is Eric Halaby. Special edition today, Total Financial Hour. Happy Father's Day to all of you that are fathers. A little sensitive for some of you that may have lost your fathers. And, uh, you know, I can understand that as a, as a person who understands in life, right? Things happen. Things change. Uh, and as they do, you try to grasp those moments. You try to grasp those times where you can uh, cherish it, maybe even replay moments, things you should have said and, and didn't say. And the goal was to try to try to live a forgive, uh, you know, a life full of forgiveness, repentance, chance for you to go back. Maybe if you can, sometimes you can't. Right. But let's learn. Let's learn some financial strategies. Let's learn some tips and tricks, because you can learn a lot from those that have come before you, both things that they did right and certainly things that they did wrong. We've done uh, enough of those as we go through. So joining me today is my special guest, Mr. Mike Halaby. Hi, Dad. Hi. How you doing? Eric? I am very well. So my dad is joining us today. It's very exciting uh, because we're blessed to have him with us. And uh, one of the things that I think matters more than anything is to publicly tell people thank you. So one of my reasons for having you on the show today is to tell you thank you. Uh, Thank you for being my dad. Thank you for being an amazing influence. One that, uh, gosh, if I could only do my best to live up to half of the kind of man you are, I, I would have a good start in life. You're welcome, and I am very proud of you, and uh, I hope uh, you have a lot of happiness in life. Thank you, Dad. And you have uh, beautiful kids, and God bless you and take care of yourself. Thank you. You know, you you took some big risks as a young man. Uh, I forget, because when I was younger hearing these stories, you always seemed so much older, you know, like 35. Oh, my. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh, wow, he was 30 when he did that or 40 when he did this. So uh, I, wanna, I want folks to learn a little bit about you because I think from a history standpoint, we all have a place that we come from and it makes a, a little bit of a difference. Tell me about where you grew up and a little bit just of, of the, the, the place, the type, the kind of house you lived in. Well, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Lebanon and I went to school in Lebanon. I was in a little town called Ainanouk and it is a beautiful town. And uh, we have very nice neighbors and uh, very good community. And uh, I attended school in Ainanoop well, when I was a uh, certain age. And then I went into college uh, in another town. And uh, when I was uh, 17, uh, I had a chance to travel and go to West Africa, Liberia. So you were in West Africa, Liberia, because yeah. you were following your father. That's right. What kind of business did your dad do in Beirut, in Lebanon, when you were there? In Lebanon, he he was a taxi driver, and uh, he raised uh, 10 kids, and he made a good living for all of us, all of us. Driving a taxi, and back then the taxi was was, uh, uh, your own car, really, wasn't it? That's right, yes. And it was very expensive to, to buy the license for the... For the taxi over there. Yeah. So, so they would drive the taxi just like a normal taxi. I guess they were <laughs> uh, Jiddo, which is what we say is grandfather in, in Arabic. Yes. So my Jiddo was probably the first Uber driver. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I did. laughs> Back then. Uh, what, what do you have as a child? What did you have as a child that you don't think kids have today? Because you grew up in a time... Well, there wasn't the computers, there wasn't the internet, but what do you think you had that maybe other kids today may not have? 
Well, we have love for one thing from our parents, and they, and we have a good living. They provide us with uh, everything we needed. Uh, but you know, when you have ten kids, you know you cannot ask for everything. You know, you just have to uh, do what you have to do. You know, when. Uh, and you were in the middle of those ten kids. That's right. Yes. So financially, did the, did you guys sit around the table and talk about mergers and acquisitions and uh, stock market leveraging? <laughs> there was no such thing. <laughs> Probably not. Huh? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but the cornerstone of success for a Lebanese family was owning your own business, right? A lot yes. of them were, owned, were their own business. Managers. Absolutely. Lebanese, uh, they've been called Phoenician from day one, and they are the one who does uh, travel. And trade, huh? They trade, and they made these boats from the cedar of Lebanon, and they travel all over the world, yes. And, so uh, when tell me when you went to West Africa, Liberia, you were 17 years old or so. Yes. What was the reason you went to West Africa? For what purpose? Well, my dad was there, and he had a business, and uh, I spoke the language, uh, the English language, and I was able he able to help him in the store. and uh, So they had a grocery yeah. store. Yes. And then you started getting a, a little bit into the business of, of other things, too. Yes. Uh, well, we have a store called Mer- General Merchandising. Because over there, you cannot be specialized in one thing. You have to have just about everything in the store. Yeah, and then uh, during that time, uh, we have like uh, uh, diamond mines. uh, A lot of diamond diamond discovery. And and the the natives, the folks that were living there, uh, didn't realize that Westerners had value in these quote, stones or rocks. Absolutely. And so there was a trade, and they would almost, I guess, kind of laugh at you or think yeah. that you were you were buying something that was so plentiful, but, but there was diamonds uh, there in, the, in the, the trade. Yes, of course. I mean, uh, but very soon they get educated, you know, because a lot of people get involved in this diamond and the mining part of it. And uh, But it was a little distance, like a day walk or or day and a half walk from where my store was, our store was. So I've got a question. The general merchandising store that Jiddo had, now let's think about this. That was like a Walmart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like that. So here Jiddo was one of the first Uber drivers. He was one of the first Walmart before Walmart because this is in in the 40s. And what was his first name? Arif, just like your name. So I'm thinking Arif Mart. Was that the name of it? I'm hoping it was. (laughs) Arif is his first name, yes. Yeah, that's that's who I'm named after is my grandfather, an amazing guy. Too bad it wasn't Arif Mart, and then we took it around the world. So uh, in that process of learning about business and learning about uh, profit and, and markup, you guys would do what we call profit and loss sheets, sheets today, where you would inventory, we need to order more of this, this isn't moving, so we need to discount it. And you were involved in some of those decisions as a manager, if you will, of the store. Yeah, actually, I was doing everything, you know, ordering and then even sometime go down to the capital and pick it up, you know, and uh, bring it into the store and display it and then and selling it. You know, the native comes in and buy from us and... And we have shelves, you know, like uh, all the stores, you know. With yeah, different, normal shelving. Yeah, normal shelving so with different things. This is important because when you learned about this and you were doing this, you were in your mid to late 20s before you left Africa. So that means you had a career. You were an established person in that community. And for various circumstances, you've decided to come to the United States. When you did, you arrived in to New, New York. New York. And once you arrived in New York, tell me, tell me basically what happened. Were you thinking, I'm going to open up a grocery store here in New York? Well, I came into New York, and uh, when I first arrived to the airport, I don't know where to go. So I just seen everybody carrying a bag and going into a, a bus. So and I thought maybe this bus will take me into a hotel. Ah. So I asked the driver, I said, uh, you go to a hotel? He said, yeah, yeah, get in. <laughs> so I put my bag in, and I... Uh, I went in the bus, and then he took me to a bus station. I oh. said, where's the hotel? He said, no, you have to take a cab from here to the hotel. So we called in a cab, and then the cab, I said, the closest hotel to the bus, because 
I didn't have that much money, so I want to watch my spending. Sure. So he took me to a hotel called Taft Hotel. The Taft. Uh, at that night, uh, at, at that time, the, they charged $10 a night at the hotel. Now, the Taft Hotel, you were there during the same period of time that the World's Fair was happening. Well, yeah, New York World's Fair. Yes. So, so pause for a minute because my mom, who was still 17, I think, at the time, leaves her small town in Michigan and goes to the World's Fair for their senior trip in high school. That's true. And what hotel did they stay at? Taft Hotel. So they were at the same hotel at the same yeah, time yeah. that you were there. Of course, you didn't meet. Of course not. Fast forward, mom returns back to small town in Michigan. And during the summer of 1964, your first date was her 18th birthday. That's right, yes. And she met you at the grocery store because she would go there every day. With her mother. Yes, her mom would come with yeah, her shopping. Yeah, come shopping. And I start working at that store and then... She, I was selling them goods from that store. And four and a half weeks or so later from Hello? We met uh, and uh, get married. And you came uh, to California. And we decided to come to California. So, you know, I understand, guys, today that, that your goal is to go through life and to have counseling, and you should. You should have understanding of who you are. But there's a level of commitment, commitment to your success, commitment to your dreams, commitment to your family. Listen, fathers, there are a lot of you out there that have made mistakes. I'm not saying perfect. You understand that? I'm saying you've made mistakes. But honor, commitment, loyalty, those are very valuable things that you should have as the forefront of the values that you teach your children. Because there's going to be a time when your influence face-to-face -face is away from them. So tell me about your favorite... Um, as a teenager, did you do anything interesting? Were you, did you have a chance to be a teenager? Not really, because, uh, like I said, when I left uh, Lebanon, I, I was still young, and I have to go to work in Africa, and then uh, I start uh, also getting involved in the diamond business, buying diamond from the from an area called Lofa River. That's where they were getting the diamond. And selling it, so I didn't have much. Uh, so your teenage life wasn't about, uh, you know, having this transition from manhood, basically, no. folks. Because you helped drive a taxi, didn't you, in Lebanon, in uh, Beirut? Did you yeah, help without a license? <laughs> <laughs> As a, do you remember how old you were? Well, I was like fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so here I've got a couple other questions for you, Dad. Now you come to the United States, you come to California because you and Mom get married. You drive west. You come to California. It took you a few days because that's kind of your quasi-honeymoon, even though you were married a few months at that time. Yeah. When you arrived in California, you had uh, a couple of things that you were doing. And one of those is you, you got an address and a name and a job when you arrived, and that was to manage a gas station. Where was that gas station located? Well, actually, uh, I have a... Uh, a distant cousin who owned a gas station in La Casenta. And at that time, the, the name of the gas station was Wilshire. Yeah. And he, I was offered a job with him, and uh, he, he put us in his house for for a week or two until we get our, our own apartment and we start working there. Your mindset was never to go and find that best job where you where you could never get laid off because folks you understand that doesn't exist i don't care what title you have look at ceos vice presidents um, top sales managers it doesn't matter when a new management team when a new direction comes in you lose your job but dad you didn't want to do any of those kinds of levels you said i wanted to own my own business for what reason well because uh, we never work for anybody in our life yes and uh, normally lebanese like i said before you had that goal of trying to... That's right. So I have a chance to uh, run to a situation. Uh, a friend of uh, ours uh, owned a bakery in the City of Commerce. Okay, City of... Folks, so I want you to remember this. Now, you guys call it pita bread. We grew up with it being called Arabic bread. In fact, that's, that's I didn't even know what pita bread was uh, for quite some time. And, Dad, so, so through that time, you had a bakery... That lasted for a period of time, and then you you changed. You got into the bar business. Yes. So you had multiple bars at one time. After the bakery was sold, and then we, uh, 
I went into the beer bar business, yes, and uh, I get one in Watts. The first one is uh, called Caravan Club, and I used to have live music uh, every weekend. Uh, Jimmy Nolan, if I remember the name. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he was the band leader. And uh, unfortunately, I have a partner. He wasn't too, too honest. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up selling the business, and then uh, I move on my own. And then I uh, bought my own in Pocoima, and one in Granada Hill, and one in Sagos. So I was running all three of them. Plus, uh, I did uh, get a little cafe at the Whiteman Airport. The Whiteman Airport Cafe for the pilots was something that you and, right. and I think mom was also there, right? You had the kids in the back right. and, the, and the carriers, you know, my older sister, myself, whoever was, was born at that time. Folks, why I share this with you and I want you to hear this story is because part of what is necessary is for you to see the different career choices. Because when you go through life and you hear... People make decisions, right? And they say, oh, I guess that's my degree. That's my career. I guess that's it forever. I'm going to end up staying in that world. You can make a change. The career that you choose, the options you choose, if it doesn't work, you have permission to back up and start again. Fathers, you have made choices. You all know that I was a Los Angeles policeman for 10 years, seven months, and three days, I think. (laughs) I could tell you the hours, but it wouldn't count. wouldn't matter that much. Not because I chose to leave. It wasn't my first choice. We had businesses. I had opportunities. I was investing. I was making, uh, doing lots of investments from 1986 uh, uh, on. And exactly 22 years ago today is when I started in the financial services business. 22 years ago today. That means for you... I went as an avocation, meaning I was investing for myself, my friends, my family, you know, kind of doing whatever you do as a, as a guy who, who wants others to succeed, to all of a sudden making changes and becoming as a, as a profession. And now having one of the top financial firms, we're blessed and honored and humbled. And what we do, we're in the top five of the country. I love that, but here's what matters to you. You can make a change. Bakery, bar, diamond business, grocery store, taxi cab. And you weren't even 35 years old yet. No. So this is important, folks, because I want you to think about this. You can make adjustments and changes. Dad, one of the things that uh, I ask is this, because we rely a lot on history. We're a family of not letting down the people that come before you. And Dad, Dad, here's one thing that you did for me, that every time we made decisions and choices, or we were going to go out to a party, or we were going to go do something or go away, you know, you, you would say... Uh, not, not so much what we say today to our family. To, we sit, tell our kids, make good choices. And if their friends are close by, we just say, MGC. And the kids go, yeah, of course. We say, make good choices. Because you're not put, I don't care if you're a single mom, single dad. I don't care what position you're in. The kids still have choices and options. And you told us something, Dad, that was very important. And it was this. It was... There were people that came before you, and don't mess up the Hallaby family name. Because the Hallaby family name, people that have come before you have an amazing history, but it's over. They're done. I always felt my job was to stand on your shoulders and to go as reach as far as I can so that my kids could someday stand on my shoulders. Sometimes we go up a little bit for the next generation. Sometimes we take giant leaps. For you to leave the villages of Lebanon, when it was still a very peaceful time, to come to the United States and to raise a family away from the Civil War. Because if we fast forward now, you owned a produce delivery business, and you had that for quite some time. And, Dad, you did something that was pretty incredible to me. Now, remember, back then you were old to me (laughs) because you were 40. And you went to Lebanon in the middle of the Civil War to bring out members of your family. Tell me about one of those stories. Just just pick one. Well, I, uh, my family was uh, in the middle of the Civil War, actually. And uh, the only thing I could do is to save them, that for me to travel into Lebanon in the middle of the Civil War and try to get them into a safer place uh, 
which uh, we did they come into Jordan Amman so so you had a couple of things happening one of those is the missiles were being launched from village to village across these uh, canyons if you will or valleys yeah I was sitting at one of my brother houses and trying to get him to to pack up and start you know start uh, the, the trip and then all of a sudden a missile came in and hit uh, uh, the town but uh, three or four houses down from my brother's house and I was sitting on the chair but that time the pressure threw me off that chair in the air and threw me right down on the on the ground and then I when I get up I said that's it back up let's leave now and that's what we did and uh, we tried to get him as soon as possible to get him out of the country so you left remember what time of night that was that you guys started leaving it was in the evening and then uh, we took a taxi driver from from uh, from the town into the border of uh, of damascus but on the way up there the driver refused to continue driving because the, all the missiles been hitting. So he said it's safer if to go. We go south, south of uh, Beirut, and then go up from the back way, which we did. But we have to drive like a couple hour extra to get into the Syrian border. And finally, we did get there safe. And then we have to wait at the at the border, you know, to get all that paper check all the papers. So what's interesting, folks, is th- this is what, what I always found so fascinating. You left a wife and four kids behind. Yes. I'm sure a little bit of savings. You had a business, but mom wasn't going to be carrying you know, be- uh, ca- uh, boxes of tomatoes to Pup and Taco and to the Chinese restaurants that you serviced, right? Some of, some of you guys will remember Pup and Taco. And he had all of the routes for lettuce and tomatoes and bring me cheese, whatever, whatever produce, I guess. Onions. Would be. Yeah. Onions and cheese. Yeah. Onions, tomatoes, lettuce. So as you would deliver, well, so while you're gone, the business still had to succeed. I think you hired a relative or a cousin yes. or somebody that was yes. here. Yes, I did hire somebody to take my place, and then yes, that'll give me a chance to go and come back. And this was before the internet, FaceTime, email, cell phones. This was. Uh, I remember mom would sleep so lightly in the middle of the night, the phone would ring. Now my mom was about thirty years old when this. Actually, she was less. She was twenty nine years old when when you left. I think somewhere around that. Something like that. Yeah. What a an honorable woman to stay behind and then to be there to receive. I had mom on Mother's Day here. To be there to receive your family, people she never met, she certainly couldn't communicate with. And this is important because you selected a wife way back when, and she selected a husband. Mm-hmm. And in that period of time, you don't know. There, was no, there wasn't a civil war in Lebanon. You didn't think you were going to be bringing out in an emergency scenario, massive members of your family. What is that like as a financial burden? You weren't thinking my retirement accounts are going to suffer because I think you sold the house in Panorama City at the same period of time. Yes, actually we did. Uh, and we, we made a few dollars, you know, on the house. And uh, that's when we bought the other house in Silmar. But uh, your mom, she was uh, incredible. She she did uh, such a good job. And... Uh, was able to keep the family together and uh, and welcome uh, my family into our house. You know, I have four kids, and then one of my sister and her husband, and she had three kids, and so we all stayed in one house. And not only that, she was taking them to school with uh, with your guys. And, I remember I. I, I remember getting into a couple of fights in the second yeah. or third grade, <laughs> yeah. protecting my cousins because some of the kids would try to bully them. And yes, so it it was a tough time, but we managed, and thank God for that. An amazing opportunity, guys. We're going to take a, a break here in a, a couple of minutes. Here, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes as we do, and we're going to uh, continue with my dad. You got any questions uh, about that time, I want you to ask him. This is your chance to find out about me, <laughs> but more importantly about him as my father and, and somebody that I want to honor. And uh, as the word says, right, you're supposed to honor your mother and father, not agree with them, not to d- do uh, uh, everything for them, not have them do everything for you, not not even give them lots of money, right, to, to, to honor your mother and father. And then from there comes joy better than happiness, right? Don't forget that. 
Joy and holiness is much better than happiness. Happiness can only be there with joy and holiness, and that's what we're instructed to do. Uh, real quick, give me a story about um, maybe one of the best memories of your childhood. Anything that you have that uh, you can share with us in a minute? I'll let you think about that because you're thinking. We're going to take a break here in just a minute, Jeff. I'll have you. We'll go a little early. We're going to continue with the total financial hour, folks. I'm Eric Hallaby. Uh, That's my dad, Mike Hallaby. And we're going to be back after the bottom of the hour. Stay with us. If you have a question, 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial Welcome back to the show, the Total Financial Hour. Hey, Jimmy Carnelli. You guys might know him. If you've ever listened to Jimmy Carnelli, he's one of my favorite Frank Sinatra singers. I think he sounds more like Frank Sinatra than Frank Sinatra. So he's a friend of mine. He did that uh, jingle for us, kind of bringing us in, kind of giving you a chance to know you're at the Total Financial Hour. But this is our special edition. I'm here with my dad, Mike Hallaby. I want you to learn a little bit about being a father from a father of a father, right? Why does that matter? Because so many of you, maybe you didn't have a chance to meet your dad or, or spend a lot of time with him. Uh, for some of you, you've adopted other men. And I think there's a very special place in heaven, if you will, for men who have taken care of children that were not they're biological children. A lot of you men did it. You stood up. You stepped up. You did it to your stepchildren. You, you took responsibility. You raised them as if your own. Folks, to me, that is a very honorable place to be. Many men uh, abrogated their responsibilities. They said, oh, you know, now that I moved out, I'm done. Or the kids did, you know, yelled at me or cursed at me, so I'm finished. Well, that doesn't change anything. Dad, one of my favorite stories when I got into an argument with my sister, I remember... And you said to me, oh, I must have been uh, maybe 12 years old, something like that. And I was mad, and, and I stomped my foot, and whatever else I did as a, as a 12-year-old. And, and you said, you know, you, you never came to me right at that time and said something. I think you were good at allowing the system, the, the situation to calm down a little bit. And you would call me over, and you said, you know, Arif, whatever happened to your friend Marky? All right, folks? Mark Silva, if you're out there, my friend Marky from... From El Dorado, some are area, some are uh, junior, all of us to junior high, right? Whatever happened to Mark? I said, oh, I don't know. It's been a while. I haven't, I don't know. He said, huh, whatever happened to, to Chris, so-and-so? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, gosh, weren't you really close friends in elementary? Oh, yeah, Dad, we were really close. You guys used to hang out and play together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, do you remember back then, your sister was your sister? Today, your sister is your sister. And tomorrow, your sister will still be your sister. Don't ever forget that she doesn't change. Your friends can come and go, but your sisters never change. I thought that was pretty powerful because there are relationships in life where forgiveness is very important to make that part work. And if you don't do it right, folks, there's a chance to go back and say sorry. You know, one of the things that you did, Dad, is you said some. I, I asked you just before, what was your favorite memory as a child in childhood? Because you kind of had to grow up quickly. You're in the villages of Lebanon, and there isn't a lot of uh, extra money, but there is a time when you uh, had a chance to, to be a boy, be a young boy. Tell me about that. Hold on just a second. I'll get your, back, I'll get your microphone on. Uh, Joe, let's get the microphone on again, please, for guests. There we go. Okay, go ahead. You know, Coming from a big family, ten kids, you know, and uh, sitting around the table having breakfast together and talk to the sister and brothers. And, uh, you know, that uh, that uh, was something you don't forget all your life. It is, uh, it's, it's a thing uh, doesn't happen again because you lose sisters and you lose brother in life and stuff like that. And this memory stays with you. All your life, you know, that uh, when you were together and when you were having breakfast or lunch or dinner and getting together, you know, this is, this is something you don't forget. When I was a young boy and I used to remember how hard you would work or sometimes you would travel a lot. Yes. 
have to go to New York for a period of time after the produce business. My dad worked for Iraqi Airlines. And uh, when, when you hear me talk about people that lose their pensions, folks, a 55-year-old man, right? Iraq invaded Kuwait. Now, remember, my dad had nothing to do with going with being uh, Iraqi. <laughs> he had nothing to do with the war. But what did he do? Simply worked for the company. It was an airline owned by a socialist government. Iraq was a socialist economy. That means all the revenue fed right into the government of Iraq. Well, it's okay. It's, I mean, a lot of countries do that. But why that matters a lot is because he was about 55 years old and lost his entire pension in 1990. What do you do? Not you, even that. You had to start over, right? Start over. And even my last check, I didn't even. That's right. The last check bounced. Oh, yeah, I couldn't even cash it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no thank you. No, uh, uh, sorry from, and you had your own personal money in the safe, I remember. Yes. And I was a policeman at the time. I remember as a Los Angeles policeman, they even confiscated because the FBI and the Treasury Department raided the, all the offices. I think there were five across the country. Raids the offices, and everything is now U.S. government seized property, including my picture as a police officer in front of the American flag. And they kept it for years. The cash that he had, the personal cash in the safe, they kept for years. They wouldn't give... Did you ever even get your shotgun back? You had yes, a, yeah. yes, they did, actually. Yeah, yeah. so he had a gun, uh, right? Iran and Iraq were fighting, no. so so he had a gun behind the scenes. So why that matters is you guys understand that he started over not once, but probably 20 times. And as a man, I saw that my dad would work, and he would go, and he would have to provide for the family. So I want you guys to forgive your dads. If you don't know or understand the pressure of raising four children and being there for your family... Remember, the, they, they need things from you now and again. So that's an, that's an important part. Dad, I've got another question for you. Tell me, uh, when you were growing up, if you could go back in your childhood and change one thing, what would that be? Anything that you can think of? Not really. Just uh, I like to keep that good memories you know, we have in the past and uh, with the family. Yes. Yeah. This, uh, How uh, old were you when your dad left to Africa? When my dad left to Africa? Yeah. Do you remember how old you were? Yeah, I was like uh, 14 or 15. And your older brother took over the taxi business and you would right. fill in now and again. Yes. Officially, unofficially as a 14, 15-year-old taxi driver. Right. Hey, we've got a special caller on the line. Uh, let's see who this might be. Uh this is Eric Hallaby and special guest Mike Hallaby, my father, on Father's Day special. Welcome to the Total Financial Hour. Who's on the air? Hello. I happen to be your mother. Oh, hello, mother. And hello, honey. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you for calling. Hi, sweetie. How are you doing? Doing just fine. Thank you. Well, hey, Mom. So I've got a, <laughs> I've got a question for Hi. you. As a Father's yes. Day special, we're talking about Dad's life and coming to the United States and making all the changes uh, that he had to, to continually adapt during the difficult job times and the careers and making adjustments. Uh, I never saw you lose faith in him. I never saw you look at him and think things were not going to be okay. Now, maybe you did, right? Husbands and wives behind closed doors say and do a lot of things. But I never felt as a child that you gave up or lost faith in him. Well... You know, you, you think about that, and <clears throat> I don't know what happened when we met, but someone had a hand in our relationship, and you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he made us faithful to each other and faithful to what the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do for him to go over to Jordan for two and a half months. It was the right thing to do for him to bring 35, 40 people here. Well, th they all have great lives now. They do not have to worry about a bomb hitting their house. Yes. We had faith in each other in making decisions that were good for my, our four kids and for his family. But even before I and was born, even before I was born... The, it didn't seem that you lost faith, but even through that process, right, there wasn't a time when you, when I saw it, so before, right, uh, the bars, the cafe, the bakery, the things that worked out, you sold them, it failed, whatever it was, and then 
when I started having a consciousness of this stuff was the produce company and then, of course, Dad working uh, with a suit and tie, right? Big switch to uh, exactly sales manager for North America, cargo manager for North America for Iraqi Airlines. During that period of time, did you feel you, you never gave up? I mean, I know we, you might have struggled financially now and again. We never knew about that as much, but, but you never seemed to give up. Well, you can't give up on your life and on your family. You just can't. You have to uh, support each other and love each other and keep in mind the end goal. Your end goal is to have a happy family, a, a successful family, uh, what is the one? What is the one trait? Tell me about this. We have just another minute. Tell me the trait, okay. or the characteristic of Dad that you admired, and, and what it was that you saw time and time again. His honesty, his caring about other people. He always put you kids first. <clears throat> he always uh, put his family first. He still does. You know, and in, in situations that have changed in the last few months, uh, it's always, uh, I feel like sometimes I'm number 10, but you have to keep in mind that I'm stuck with him and he's stuck with me, and that's how, that it's just how it is. You have faith in your partner. You have faith in the father of your children, and you have faith in what it is you're doing with each other and for each other. It's very important. And, any uh, comments for you, Dad, before we uh, let Mom go? No, no, she's, she's right, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, Thank you, honey. I think having a little bit of com- uh, comedy as well really makes things uh, <laughs> lighten up because our family was always a little bit on the jokester side. All right, thanks for calling, Mom. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a wonderful day. We'll, uh, we'll see you a little bit later for uh, lunch or dinner. I'm not sure what we're doing next. Thanks for calling. This is Total okay, Financial Hour. Okay. Arif Hallaby, along with special guest Mike Hallaby. Okay, so we have a couple of things that we're going to talk about here as we finish up this hour of the program. Dad, uh, the special edition of Father's Day, I want to learn a little bit more about the financial decisions that you had made over the years. Tell me one really good one, something that was pretty amazing, and maybe one that wasn't so good and, and that we struggled with, that maybe you struggled with. Well, for one thing, the your house is the important thing, you know, because that uh, holds the family together. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And that's uh, the most important investment in your life. Uh, and uh, You always kept the house there. Yes. And by doing that, you kept the house available for us to return. Uh, many of you call them boomerang kids, right? They go and they come back. But you always had us, uh, whenever we returned, we were required to have a plan. What are you going to do next? Tell me about the next step. It wasn't an interrogation. But folks, if you, if you have your children come back and they're thinking about thinking about trying about applying for a job and their ability to apply for a job means that they are sitting at home playing on the computer and they sent out 47 resumes before 10 a.m. in their pajamas without being shaved or showered or really that is not a job the way you find a job is you get up your job when you don't have a job is to find a job that means you get up you take a shower you get cleaned up and whatever work uh, clothes plus one really so if you're a mechanic you don't go out looking for a job in a mechanic outfit you wear one step higher jeans and a nice nice shirt maybe a collared polo if you're going to be a salesperson then you wear a suit and tie but you go out looking like the job. So when, when you sit in my office to ask for a job, I look at you and I say, can I picture you working for me? Can I picture my clients, customers, talking to you? Will you embarrass me? Right? We have to say it in a lot of different ways because today everybody wants to be sued about being sued because their feelings were hurt. Do, do you not understand? Nobody gives a crud about your feelings. The law starts to try to create this thing about your feelings. Dad, you worked hard because, not, not because you were running around worried about people's feelings, but one plus one is two, and you still needed to take money to the grocery store, whether people felt like this or wanted that or social justice baloney this. And, and you taught us to not be a victim and to work hard. I don't remember only ever having one job. There was a short period of time when I was in the academy where we weren't allowed to have a second job. 
But when Iraq invades Kuwait, and I was out of the academy for three months or four months, I had to go get two jobs. So I worked three jobs to help out with the family, to make sure there was money in the account if you needed it, to make sure if there was something going on, you know, there's always a backup plan. The family worked together. And as you said, you had a house. And when we, when I got married and left and then returned and, and because we, we had a business that was closer, so it was an hour each way, so I could sleep at the house now and again at your house. You always allowed us to have a place to return. But we had to have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, then you're going to be like this 30-year-old kid who had to get sued by his parents to get kicked out. Did you see that? There was a 30-year-old man who, who, who said, yeah, but uh, I, I'm not really costing them that much. And, and I say a little bit to this because we forget that there is a shame. And there, there's, a, there's a saying in Arabic. It's aibashum. Aibashum. Right, which is shame on you. Yes. So when you do something wrong, you know, or you're acting silly, they would say aibashum, which is shame on you. I don't say it with the same accent. <laughs> I think we're missing that. We're missing the fact that you have an obligation to a family. Uh, what was your favorite dish? Your parents or grandparents ever cooked? Because your mom was an amazing cook. What was some of the di- and then consequently you are you're you're the uh, consummate cook in our family. Whenever we we need certain dishes, you're the one. Well, yes, I, I learned that from mom. You know, she's she, like you said, she is the one of the best. Uh, well, give me a favorite dish because today. Uh, Arabic food with the uh, different uh, Middle Eastern restaurants around, they're starting to be trendy. And Well, if you, uh, when you talk about salat, for instance, it's ah, the, the tabbouleh. Tabbouleh. But it's the best tabbouleh because it's made By Lebanese the style, not exactly, this. Exactly. Not this other. Yeah, it, it tastes different <laughs> from any other tabbouleh they claim. Yes. And we have the hummus also, the Lebanese hummus. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And. Uh, of course, shish kebab and all that. All the, what was, uh, when you were growing up financially, what was the, any message about money that was communicated from your parents to you? Was, was there any kind of save for a rainy day or, or just, you know, get a retirement account? What was their financial message? Buy a house? What, any any uh, memory well, of that? You always have to think about tomorrow. And then, then in order to do that, you have to, save some money for tomorrow because you never know what could happen tomorrow. And, uh, you know, investment is a very important thing. And, uh, you know, make sure you have enough money for your family and uh, to buy food and the necessary things, you know. Yeah. You would have uh, a p- couple periods of time where you didn't work. One where when you worked for Iraqi Airlines and you moved to New York, you were there for four or five years and during that period of time, they said, oh, we're going to open an office in Los Angeles. You're only going to be here for a few months. It's only going to be another year. And eventually you just quit. You said, listen, my family's in Los Angeles. I know you explored the opportunity to move to New York. We didn't. We stayed in Silmar, and you would come home on weekends. And that was such a uh, difficult time for me as a son because it was during my you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old during that real pivotal time. But I saw hard work. And I saw that here's a man who doesn't let his family down. We never wanted for anything. We didn't have brand new bikes every Christmas. That wasn't what we had. But we never wanted for food. We never wanted for a place to to sleep. And that was an ability to provide that not a lot of people understood because they were thinking, oh, why aren't you you getting a job here? Well, it was also hard for me, you know, to be away from the family. And also traveling every weekend, you know, coming from New York and flying back on Sunday, coming here on Friday. But uh, this, uh, I have to be here for the weekend with the family, and I have to provide for them. And that was the only choice at that time until we opened up an office in Los Angeles. And Yeah, they, they actually came with a couple of men in suits and ties. I remember when this arrived. Yes. The children's job in a Lebanese household is is to be servants, if you will, a hospitality. Yes. So it's to bring uh, bowls of fruit. It's to bring knives and, and napkins and uh, drinks. We learned how to ask for things in Arabic. Would you like Would you like water? Would you like tea? Would you like coffee, etc.? And I remember seeing you greet these men. You knew they were coming, and you purposely didn't dress up in a in a fancy outfit. I think you were wearing shorts and a shirt or something. 
and they came in with their briefcases and they were their job was to ask you to come back to work for them and you did yes. and they were going to open an office and they did in Hollywood and that's the one that you were at when uh, the war happened between Iraq and Kuwait that period of time was uh, a little bit stressful but you actually had money saved so you were able to do that yeah I was able to do that because I saved some money like I said I was always thinking about tomorrow about credit cards tell me why don't why don't you have 25 credit cards with 50,000 uh, bills I don't believe in credit card because it's easy to use credit card but it's harder to pay it yes. if you don't have the money so I limited myself in that respect so I don't want to get uh, myself in trouble that way you know we never had a new car growing up I don't think so I, I mean I don't remember it maybe before I was born or when I was but I never I always remember our cars were struggling now and again yes uh, and if you couldn't pay cash for a car you didn't get a car no because like I said I mean if I don't have the source of the income I cannot pay for it tomorrow so I have to do with with uh, whichever I have yes yeah and that's why I always buy a used car and then manage with it until, you know, times comes, you know. And one of the things that I, in, that I noticed uh, from an interesting standpoint is for you, a retirement account wasn't so much something like a, an IRA. Today, young people, you need to be opening up retirement accounts. That's, that's a part of it that matters. That's what we do. However, you don't understand, folks. That the, back then, the retirement account was your children in some respects. You paid off your house. You had some level of Social Security, so we had a little bit of that. But we also had the time to look in the, in the mirror and not believe that something magical was going to happen at 65. Because you worked past 65, didn't you? It wasn't a big thing for you to continue to work. It, it wasn't something magical that happens at 65. No, of course. Uh, I'm still able to work, and I'm working right now still, actually, and I'm 83. So <laughs> so age has nothing to do with uh, the ability to work and willing to work. But I think something happens to the mind. Tell me, when you took a little bit of time off, I think you retired for a, a few months or a short bit at age 70, and then you went back to work. For what reason? Well, because uh, when you're used to work, and then you quit working, it's kind of difficult because uh, uh, you need to keep moving, you know, in life. So. And I always say, folks, when you retire, you have to have a purpose. And the purpose is greater than you just sitting around waiting to die in a rocking chair. Right. Nothing happens, right? This is important. At age 65, you still pay income tax. About one out of five people that come to my office say, okay, so I'm at 65. I don't pay tax anymore, do I? No, you do. Oh, oh, uh, my Social Security, I don't pay tax on my Social Security, do I? Well, in 1994, Bill, uh, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich during the tax plan came up with the deal that says, well, we're going to pay tax. Some of you, most of you, quote, the rich will pay income tax, but the rest of you won't. Well, they never move those numbers, just like the alternative minimum tax. It used to be back then you didn't pay tax because you were below the income. So maybe that was in your mindset. But as everybody in inflation and the dollars have met, you still now pay tax on Social Security. Most of you will. So be careful if you're trying to be uh, planning or building your financial life off of the past, knowledge, the information that used to be. All right, Dad, I've got a couple more questions for you as we finish up. Uh, I, I want to know what, what happened what did you see when your dad struggled and said, it's time for me to go to Liberia for the family, to, go, to open a grocery store or to diamond business? Why did he think that was the only place he could go for an opportunity? And, and what did that do to the family? Well, for one thing, uh, my dad has a brother in, in Liberia before him. And uh, he asked him if he could come in there and help him also open up a business and which he did. But uh, my dad's uh, language was uh, in the English language. It wasn't that good. So that's why he asked me to come in and help him out. Were you the best of the kids as far as speaking English? Uh, yes. And how did you learn it so well? Because you learned it as a boy. Well, in school, 
the school I went to, it's uh, you're compared to speak uh, two languages, either French or English, and I I picked English. So, but your what did your siblings choose? Because they all went to the same school. Your sister and brother. No, not necessarily. Oh, n not all of them went to no, school? No, they didn't go to the same school. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming in, Dad. This is my dad, Mike Hallaby, one of my favorite men in the whole world, a person who was my best man in my wedding. I want you to know that. When I asked him, he said, why aren't you asking your friend? I said, it didn't say best friend. It said best man. And that's why he was the best man in my wedding. So very proud of you, Dad. Thank, thank you so much. A son always wants to hear that his father's proud of him. So dads, don't hold back on that. That's very important. You make sure you let your children know that you're proud of them. Thanks for being here on a special edition of Father's Day. I'm Eric Hallaby, Total Financial Solutions, 888-99-RETIRE. Give me a call this week, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. Eric Hallaby on AM870, The Answer. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.